hello, welcome um, to yes. our first pro tasting series. Finally. Yeah, with uh, Jesse Navarez. And now you're and supposed Eric to Remele. Eric. <laughs> the one and only Eric Remele. <laughs> so so mm. actually, um, for us to explain you a little bit, you know, um, history, history, why we're doing the show. I mean, this podcast is uh, dedicated to food, drink, and um, soon to be some cannabis up in here. I mean, I've been doing this wine thing for a long time, so it's going to be fun to do this with you. When did you start at the uh, at the Westgate? We're going back to the oh, history shit, thing. the first one. That was... Because um, I started 1998. with... 1998. That's, that's when I met you. That's I was working we met. selling this wine at the time. Beringer. That's, that's why I brought it today. I went out and got myself a Behringer Private Reserve Chardonnay. And you know what? It's got a lot of oak. It's got a lot of <laughs> oak, uh, but not overpowering. You know, it's not like a Rombauer, mm. you know, where you like bathe in oak. But um, before, you know, we, we get to the nitty gritties of yeah. this. Sure. You know, give our listeners a little bit of your background. Um, so, I mean, you know, my background is school in San Diego, fell, in, fell into the wine industry. I met you when I was calling on restaurants, and that's how we got to know each other. And I've been fortunate to, to you know, when I started in the business at, at the distribution level, I did, you know, work for Southern, and they obviously are big, but they have great wine. And then I went to Behringer, and just great portfolio. I've been fortunate, and then I came to Winebone Imports, not you know, eighteen years ago. So it's been a fun ride because I've had a lot of good wine. So, anyways, <laughs> you know, I, I'm in the wine business. That's what I've done. But I've done all channels. I, you know, I've been silent partner in a wine bar. Um, and the reason I'm excited about reconnecting is because, I mean, I met you twenty years ago. Yeah, we we met actually. You didn't buy a whole lot of wine year. from me either back in the day, just to let you know. Well, yeah. But, but you see, we have different memories. Yeah, but, but you threw a good party back then. <laughs> I know we're calling our podcast, or we're calling this Pro Tastings. Yes. So, so you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting evolution. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is really, um, I think, why, why we so connected and stay connected over the years um, was just the passion of the business. You know, having those wines, having the food, connecting and having wine tastings. Yeah. I mean, we had dinners, I mean, out of this world. No, yeah, those were those were good. Those were fun. So uh, tell us about yourself, because you have yeah, a much yeah, but, you but, have but, a much brighter history than well, I do. Or one thing I, I really want to make very clear to our listeners is where we want to go with this? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> I want them you are expert when it comes to wine. You've traveled the world. You've been to so many wineries. You've been to the source. You've been, you know, you touched the earth. Yeah. And and one of those things smell that the we will smell the barrels and things we're going to come back to is one of the goals of our show is it's really to expose people to that little more. Dive yeah. a little deeper in, into the, you know, what makes wine 
special. I mean, mm. of course, we, we, we all have different tastes, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You said, oh, man, this is so full of oak. And I'm like, well, it's not like a rumbauer. <laughs> so right there, you know, you're like, we already taste them a little sure. differently. And, and that yeah. should be the fun of this show. Traveling to all kinds of different parts of the world, winemaking world, rather, um, it is, is you can't put a price on that. It's seeing it, being oh, there it, is fantastic. Huge. Especially, I mean, I'm in the sales side of it. So, you know, let's get that out in front. It, it's it's uh, people, sommeliers, uh, masters of wine, all of them. It, it's, it's, you know, they all have chosen a certain path to get to where they are. And uh, <clears throat> I've done it the long way, 28 years in the business. So, so I did it the the long way but i happen to to get into some companies that represent great products great producers great and then being able to see it you're right it, it's it's um it's crucial now you can ask me about myself um so <laughs> yeah so so the cool thing we're so different you and i yeah we we actually totally are so yeah tell tell the audience tell the people your background because it's much more colorful than mine well, not more colorful. It's just a little different. And, you know, when I tell people I've been 43 years in the industry. Right. You know, it's like even for me looking back, I'm like, shit, is my my plastic surgeon really that good? <laughs> anyhow, I'm, I'm fourth generation uh, hotelier, classically trained, being yeah. brought up, you know, um, in hotels, lived in hotels, um, did the classic European training, went to hotel business school, mm. did a three-year apprenticeship, and then just, you know, climbed up the ladder, uh, moved to different countries. 23 years ago, I arrived then here at the United States, <clears throat> uh, found a job as uh, director of food and beverage in San Diego at the Westgate Hotel. Mm. And uh, we had a lot of cool adventures there. I mean, Bravo event. Bravo I, you know, Bravo I, I, still, I still talk about the Bravo events. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, those things were fun. Yeah. That just that event by itself, we laid the foundation to, to what today are all those food and wine gatherings in San Diego. Yeah. Because before Bravo, that didn't exist. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I've been doing wine dinners and I've been doing wine tasting since I've been in the business, you know, especially when I started, you know, when I latched on to, to, to Behringer back in the late 90s. And what you guys did there was, was phenomenal. I mean, um, it was a tasting, but it was, I mean, you had Cirque du Soleil there. That was impressive. Well, it wasn't Cirque du Soleil. And you had we, the we symphony. Had yes, you had them the, there. We, we, had, we had the San Diego <laughs> Symphony. We, you had a big party, and that's why you and I gravitated. Yeah. I was like, okay, this guy knows how to throw a party. Well, yeah, we, we had about, I mean, you have to imagine, we had about 1,200 guests <clears throat> and 1,700 performers. So it was yeah. together with the San Diego Performing Arts, and we packed that all in. I do have to do a plug. <laughs> February 26, That's 2023. Right. Another collaboration. We're going to collaborate. We are going to collaborate. 
and it's wine of the world. We're calling it wines of the world because we're bringing 30 different brands from multiple countries and over 60 wines. And and quite honestly, and maybe even more because every every other day I'm like, I should bring this, so I should bring that. So Wines of the World, 226 Westgate Hotel. It's going to be from one to five. And we have a star. One of the wines that I know is dear to your heart right now, we're going to have the 2019 Vintage uh, that was just given some incredible press by... Figaro the, magazine. Figaro, the leading publication in France, pretty much put it up there shoulder to shoulder with First Growth, the Margot Lafitte yeah. Rothschild. And, and and please, listeners, very important, <clears throat> you know, um, go to our website there, discoveries.com, because that's where you can. You should actually, spell it out just in case some people. I let spell. you spell. You know, I'm dyslexic. D E S C O B R E S dot com. And you guys did a really good job with that website, by the way. I, you know, you got the wines up there. You've got all the, the different producers and all that. So they can go on there and register. Yeah. And I yeah. have to say, I have to do a little shout out here to our producer, Andrew, who was instrumental in putting that up. Uh, so, yeah. So, so I, I'm glad that we're doing this. I'm glad that we're collaborating on this. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of this with you. So you, a little bit of your history, a little bit of my history, but where you know where we want to take this i know from my perspective i want to be able to introduce uh, a lot of different wines from a lot of different countries so it's going to be fun and very quickly yeah because this is only a plug yeah yeah catena yeah where i actually brought a bottle of that tonight so so tonight today and we'll we'll, we'll be tasting that as well um what but, about catena what about what Katana? distinction did it so, get? <laughs> so you being the Frenchman that you are, I know you're very uh, excited about it. But yeah, the 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 Dude, the NC excited the one of what's the, the name five of the best ones. Figaro? Figaro Figaro magazine Figaro is it a magazine Figaro or a newspaper? magazine? It's actually Le Figaro. Yeah. It's a big. It's one of the largest publications. Yeah. So the, for the listeners, we're we're showing the 2019 vintage at this event. It was, uh, you know, you've got some uh, incredible first growth wines out there, Lafitte, Margot. You got NC, you know, and we call it NCZ. It's Nicolas Catena Zapata 2019. We'll be pouring that. Uh, but it got rated at 98 right up there with the first growths of yeah. the world. And this is a French magazine. We're tasting the Behringer, but we can move on. Why, why don't we move on? And... Uh... And actually, you know what? We we just talked about the uh, NCZ. I actually brought the 17 vintage. It's not the 19. This is, so we're, what we're going to taste right now is the Nicolas Catena Zapata, which is kind of like their flagship. It's their flagship. It's actually a cab base. So I know Argentina is kind of known for their Malbecs. And uh, the biggest portion of what sold is their Malbec. But this is a cab based, and this is their top of the line Cabernet. Actually, ju just a quick one, because, you know, labels sometimes can be a little bit confusing. Where you're starting to spend some serious money. Correct. What should you not see on the label? What should you not see? That's a nice twist. Go ahead. Look at the back. The wine has been heralded by wine collectors around the world for its distinctive classic flavors and ageability. What else? A steak grown, bottled by, 
There we go. Bottled by? Yeah, Catena Zapata. Exactly. So it's an estate grown wine. What would you not want to see on that label? Negoci you tell me. Negociant. Why not? You don't want a conglomerate of people making one wine. What you don't want is you don't want to see co-op. Yes. But you won't rarely, you will rarely see co-op on a label because they also know it's a negative connotation. So they won't actually put that on there. But, that, I, but I like where you went with this because from an import perspective, what you do want to see when you're drinking imported wine and you're not too comfortable is you really want to go to the importer and trust the importer because back labels and front labels can be misleading. They won't give you the whole story. And a lot of times you'll see cellared in Napa. But if it doesn't say Napa Valley in the front, like the Behringer that we have here, yeah. there's rules behind that. If, it, if you don't see that in the front, but you see something in the back to your point, you know, bottled and cellared in Napa, there's a lot of grandfather companies that produce stuff that is not necessarily from Napa, but they have a facility what? in Napa. So good point. So now we we are drinking the precursor. The precursor, yes, of, of this highly acclaimed catena. So for me, what's interesting here? The pre, the pre uh, yeah, this is a seventeen vintage, correct? Yeah, but for me, what's now really, really, really interesting? So we have a Chateau Margaux. We have a frigging Chateau Lafitte. We have even Chateau Petrus, which was also mentioned. Yes. In the same. Those are the big boys. Those are the big boys. Figaro magazine. Mm -hmm. And then now you have this newcomer. Two years before. I'm curious. Yeah, that's why I brought it. I'm, I, I'm like. Have you not had Nicolas Catena Sabata before? No. Yeah. Well, because I think I wasn't invited. <laughs> well, you are now. I don't know. But anyhow, so now now let's, um, we talked about Catena and we didn't even say where it's from. Argentina, La Mendoza. Well, you know, Argentina's come a long way, you know, uh, and the, man, the, the man's name's on the label, Nicolas Catena Zapata, from Argentina. Uh, came to the U.S. as an econ professor uh, at Berkeley. Um, and that's where he went to Napa, met Robert Mondavi, inspiration, went back, yeah. went back to Argentina after he did his, his um, tenure, I guess we'll call it a tenure as a professor, went back to Argentina and started, you know, elevating the quality of the wine. So, so what is particular, you know, about the region? Well, I mean, the thing that separates Argentina really is, you know, it's high desert. It's a uh, high desert, low rainfall. Um, and the quality has really elevated because they've taken the fruit and they've gone higher. So some, vin some of the best vineyards now are 2,000 to 5,000 feet elevation. To compare that um, yeah. to an American growth. 
to a North American growth? Where where would you locate so, that? So, so to give you an idea, Napa is considered, you know, uh, one of the premier areas to grow uh, wine, Cabernet. Their highest vineyards are like Howe Mountain is 1,500 feet. You can't really compare it. Well, yeah. Wine. I mean, it's a completely different terrain. It's a yeah. completely different. You can compare it in the sense that you know, uh, soil types may be similar, yeah. but climate's going to be similar. Weather is going to be... I got someone for you. You got someone? <laughs> Who do you got? The grape. Yes, Cabernet. Primarily in this one. Isn't there a history of the grape that differs from what happened in Europe? <laughs> I love how you lead me on these things, Eric. Because, uh, what happened popular. in Bordeaux? What happened in Bordeaux? Yeah. I mean, are you, are you trying original... to get into the phylloxera? That's the yes. vine. So, so I yes, there was, there was, there, there was phylloxera in France and, and that decimated them. Uh, but these, these vine cuttings were brought in, you know, uh, hundreds, maybe a hundred years before phylloxera, 200. Well, yeah. So the industry in Argentina goes back to the 17th, you know, hundreds. Oh, so, so what, phylloxera what I want happened to in really, the late 1800s. You know, I want our listener to get here. Yeah. Is that I have a vine. Yes. Which is still producing original grapes. Yeah. From 200 years ago. Pre-phylloxera vines. Exactly. Yeah. That are non-existing in Europe. Right, so Europe, yeah, yes. Um, which, yeah. which is... But I have to go back and study my notes because I'm not sure that Argentinians, this Argentinian vines are pre-phylloxera. Well, let's now, put most, it that way. Most of the pre-phylloxera vines <laughs> are in, you know, Chile has a lot of pre-phylloxera yeah. vines. I'm sure there's probably, you know, there's probably let's let we can dive into that. Let's dive into that. But yeah. hey, since we have here and we have some bread, should we be the, cracking the, open the, some, the, the, some bread the, with with this? <laughs> um, by the way, to our listeners, I hope they're not going to be disappointed. But our wine tasting is a wine tasting. Yeah, there's not going to be any food. And that's on purpose. There, there is going to be, however, bread and grissinis. Yeah, just something um, to cleanse the palate. You know? Just to cleanse the palate. But um, the star of the wines, we don't want to bother you with any cheeses, meats, or something which is going to um, to give you a different lead on your tongue. The, the, the wines are going to be big. So, so you're you're going to uh, be impacted. And we hope that everybody understands that it, there is a lot of wine there and you need to pace yourself. Again, February 26. One to five, Westgate Hotel. Yeah, Westgate Hotel, yep. discoveries.com. You, you got that. Yeah, for, you know, you're going to try some amazing wines and I'm, I'm pouring a few selections out of Magnum. So well, that yeah. is wonderful. Yeah. And please be excited for um, the next part of our show. We're going to have the actor and philanthropist Jose Yenke yeah. on our show. And we're even going to uncork some bubbly uh, for him. But what it's really all about, Jesse, is we're having him at our tasting 
and we want to give back to him and help support him doing what he's doing. Yeah, so that's why we're. That's you know, let's let's get him in here. So so um, so tune in to the next show and also uh, follow us on Facebook Descobres <laughs> Events. Tune in. We have more and stuff on Instagram, Instagram. All that Descobres Events and. Um, Just tune in because I'm going to be bringing different stuff. You got to educate people. What am I drinking? Yeah, you're actually still drinking the Behringer. You haven't even got any of this. Why, so that, why, that, why that, don't we change here. that? Okay, cheers. cheers. All right. Well, here we are. Again. Again. And you know what? I let you introduce our guest this time. Okay. Well, we have a very special guest that I met a couple of years ago now, Ayaka Ito. San Diego restaurateur. Give me the proper. Is it master sake? Is that like a certified sake specialist? Specialist. Yes. Okay. So we're going to touch on that a little bit. But Ayaka, I'm so glad that you came through today. Yes. Yeah. And thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I know you and I have talked about it a little bit, but you you were born in Japan, but you've traveled. So mm -hmm. why don't you fill us in or give us a quick. Yeah, sure. You know. It's a kind of a long story, so yeah. make it quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like paraphrase, but no, give us the details yeah. for sure. So I'm uh, born and raised in Nagoya, Japan. And when I'm um, deciding high school, I say, oh, you know, to be able to explore the world and make a lot of friends outside of Japan, I need mm. to be able to speak English. So I decided to pick Canada to go high school. And from there... Um, I went to Hawaii for college and um, study abroad in Korea. And I went back to Japan um, back in 2011 when the earthquake and tsunami happened in Tohoku region um, for as a long time volunteer. And that's how I actually met and got into sake. Because okay. Miyagi or that area that I went to volunteer for is actually really famous for sake um, region. And that's and that's the time that I went back to um, Japan, that was the time that they needed to um, activate a local industry. So we needed to make sure that short-term volunteers, when they come into the town, they purchase back some of the local products. And one of them were sake. And then um, since I left to Canada since high school, I never really exposed to sake so okay. much until like later in college. And then that's how I, how I met sake. And I was so thrilled to find out that, wow, like this jam is hiding, like it's all the way in my home country. And you, and I, and you, have, and you brought an Honjozo. So I'm going to go ahead and open this. And, and I have no bloody clue what uh, a Honjozo is. Well, you know, that's why I'm opening up the bottle. So Ayaka and, can give you a little more and, detail. And, and because it's clear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Eric's a chef. <laughs> So yes. I'm like, I no, mean, you it asked seemed to be something special. So this sake is called Ichinokura, and that was one of the first um, brewery opening I visited in Miyagi province. So this, is, this brewery is very special for me. And then so when I went to grocery shopping today, I was like, oh, which, which sake should I select? And I was looking for some sake from the Tohoku region so we can share that story together. And I actually found the one from... Ichinokura. So I was um, thrill thrilled to share with you too yeah. today. Yeah. So Honjozo is, they have a distiller's alcohol to it. So kind of oh. like they have that creates a little bit of aroma, really clean dryness to it. 
So it tends to be on a karakuchi, like a dry style sake. So yeah, hope you will enjoy. Yeah. So, so it's not a junmai? No, it's not a junmai. It's general. So a little distillery. Yeah. So, so uh, we are. Sorry you, if I interrupt yeah, you. No, because go ahead. I think that's a very interesting point because you just said um, there were some distilled alcohol added to the mm -hmm. sake. Um, do you have like a two-minute version of what is sake and what are the differences? Differences. Okay, so sake is made... All in two minutes, he's asking okay, for yeah. it. <laughs> and I'm just... I can I'm, go I'm on being, and on no, 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 I know. I and know, I'm being very but, facetious but, because there's no two minutes to describe, but you know. It's just, I know. Take I know, five minutes. That's really unfair. But on the other hand, it's like... Um, you know, when we talk about wine, and most of our listeners, I think, are, have already a pretty good understanding mm -hmm. what wine is. Um, sake is still um, a new phenomena mm -hmm. um, here in the States, and especially mm, this is because what, what happened here was that you would go to a Chinese restaurant and you would get served hot sake. Right. That's changing dramatically. No, now. But, yeah. but this is like, you know, having Mateus right. in the old days. Sure. Oh, yeah, or yeah, Liebfrauenmilch yeah. when you started drinking wine. So, so you got the totally wrong introduction. So sake, yeah. sake is, yeah, brew with rice. rice. So it's a four simple ingredients. So sake, water... Yeah. So sake is rice, water, koji, and yeast. So like it's four simple ingredients, and sometimes What's they have koji? A distiller's alcohol added as well. And koji is a basically molded steamed rice. So the name of the mold is called koji. So koji can live on rice, it can live on sugar, salt, or miso. Like it can live on different things. Mm. But then the, I like koji. Yeah, the koji that they use is a flavor <laughs> You're a chef. of like umami. So yes. It's just so, Could be me. But this one is the uh, rice kind of koji lives on the rice. So that's the yeah. steamed rice. So that's what they use. So basically koji eat the rice and then break the starch into sugar. And then now we're going to bring that into, you know, blend it with um, yeast. So then the yeast eat the sugar to produce the alcohol. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of do that. It's called like a polyrol um, fermentation. So it's like, you know, beer is like you make the, um, the, wort. the, the, the wort first yep. and then you add the yeast. But then we do kind of like adding the rice. So adding the starch, adding the koji and adding mm. the yeast in the water kind of at the same time in the same tank. So they yep. call it like a, a polyrol fermentation. Yep. Yeah. Which, which, which that's what makes sake so unique is that that double parallel fermentation is happening at the same time. And then I think that wine people will grab it to have been grabbed because I know sake sales are starting to, you know, mm -hmm. people are really getting into sake because of the different uh, yeast strains. And so you, you travel and then you land in San Diego. Yes, and I landed in San Diego because um, I lived in Hawaii for, a six, uh, for about uh, like six, seven years. Yeah. And I needed to find a place that's uh, bigger in market, but mm. it's similar in weather, like in terms of like weather, and I found San Diego and yeah, found my second home. Yeah. So for our listeners as well, we are doing a wine event on 226. We're going to have a yaka there. 
uh, she's going to be pouring her own brand. What's tell us a little bit about your own sake that sure. you're making? Yeah, so uh, my own brand of sake it's called Aya. As part of my name is Ayaka, so it's mm. the first three letter is Aya A Y A, and I have uh, three different variety. One is um, Ginjo, Junmai Ginjo, and Ginjo Genshu. So this all this terminology, yeah. Eric is. We're gonna have to. We'll bring <laughs> it's Eric okay. up to I'm speed one day. <laughs> no, it's, you know. But you just it's... need to taste them and come and join my table during the wine well, event. So I really want to to put that out. So Ayaka is going to be there in person. Yeah. So just yeah, just that yeah would be you know a highlight. I mean, not that you just get to drink some of the best wines yeah which are on the market. But on top of that, you have probably one of the most knowledgeable persons about sake right there on the spot. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, being in the wine business for so long, I'm really excited that, you know, we're collaborating on this wine mm -hmm. event. And I know that you're going to be there. Uh, we're going to have a handful of wine drinkers there that may not be sake drinkers, but I'm excited to have you there and then promoting the spring, potentially spring event that we're doing um, following the wine event. So, yeah. but I want to go back. So to your, to your sake, how involved are you with the production of it? Are you part of the consultation or yes. how, how does that process work? I really wanted to brew something all from my hometown, Aichi. So okay. that's the name of my province. So it's kind of like Aya is a, uh, well, that's the official name. But um, for me, that sake is flavor of Aichi and rice is called Yume Sansui, which is um, only grow, I kind of register sake rice um, in Aichi province and also only grow in the mountainside of the region so where uh -huh. the brewery is located so it's everything is sourced like local local site yes. specific mm -hmm. so then i can kind of bring something from my home region and home area and my restaurant bishok ramen we do feature a lot of beer or food from that area as well so awesome. what is interesting <clears throat> is that you have to prepay the harvest Yes, so that's for the brewer in general. Like, if you wanted to have really high quality sake or the, some particular registered sake rice, you have to purchase a rice field in advance before harvesting. So that's a huge risk. Mm -hmm. Well, it really depends. I guess, you know, but you work with these farmers for years, like generations. Yeah. And But in generally speaking, when I was talking to some of the brewers saying that it is sometimes it's very difficult because you, you never know. Like rice farmer, they cannot even also guarantee how the weather are going to be or no, no, if it's, it's going to be a like... yeah, natural disaster and why not. And you see that in the wine business as well. So speaking about the grain, the rice. How, when, when, okay, say all the harvest was great. Mm-hmm. How much yield would it produce compared, say, it was a shitty harvest, you know, smaller grains? 
And I'm an amateur here. Right. I don't even know if the, <laughs> the grains are small. But, you know, it's, it's just usually, but... I guess, um, how big, uh, well, the size, of course, but also, yeah. like, um, a lot so of years, size they say that, does matter right, in rice. Like, is it like, oh, this year is a lot harder rice grain yeah. than the softer rice grain? So then, depends on that. Um, the brewer they need to um, kind of like adjust it. How many minutes or how many seconds they're gonna be soaked into the water before they steam? So then, the amount of water that they observe into the rest of grain gonna be different every year. Depends on the how the harvest went for that year. I mean, it's already fascinating, you know, um, that you actually instruct sake brewers in Japan to brew your sake and your brand. Um, but there you are having three restaurants, one in Japan, two in San Diego. So your menu is mixed with sushi, sashimi, and ramen. Where do you get inspired? Where is, where, where, when did you choose to go in that direction? Um, I think we just, we were doing the market research and back in time, um, to 2015, when um, I was like, you know, market researching, there was not that many um, ramen restaurants that they actually make their own, you know, customized noodles or um, making your own broth from scratch, uh, that kind of restaurants. And then when I ask around people, where's your favorite restaurant? They always kind of like, oh, there's one in convoy area or there's one there. But they always come up as like, you know, Japanese name. So I was like, okay, I needed to come up with some kind of mm. catchy name it's short and like you know maybe two syllables and then people can remember it once you hear them so um i named my restaurant bishok it stands for um, beauty of food uh bishoku it's in japanese and i was like okay well maybe if we started a ramen shop then we can you know capture this customer you know coming to the door then i can turn them into sake fans no there <laughs> so you that go. was the idea yeah. <laughs> You have also a very interesting list of Japanese whiskeys. Mm -hmm. For me, I do have to say, um, in the old days, I actually did a lot of um, scotch tasting whiskeys and so on. And then that phenomena, I don't know when it started, five, six years ago, mm. when suddenly... Japanese whiskey started to enter, mm -hmm. you know, um, the U.S. market. And then I saw um, your list of, of whiskeys and I, I, I was impressed. But then she had those cocktails. Mm. And now suddenly I have to discover because... I like Negronis, that is a frigging Japanese gin. Yeah, Japanese. We make the Tokyo Negroni with Japanese Roku And gin. you know what? It was damn okay. good. But that, again, <laughs> he didn't appreciate because he doesn't like bitters. You oh. know, like Campari and 
I didn't appreciate it? What do you mean I didn't appreciate it? Well, I, I had you try and you had that face. When was, oh, that's right. You did have a Negroni there. Ah, and that, you didn't appreciate it. It, it was noon. Something. I'm you not see? drinking Negroni at noon. <laughs> Sorry. But you're well, right. Well, yeah, I forgot about what's that. What's wrong with day drinking? Yeah, I'm not a, I, I you know. It, hey, let's come on. on. Let's get back to sake. I, I, I'm like... We're talking sake. Not We're not talking okay. whiskey. Let's put something right here. <laughs> we come to your restaurant to have a business discussion, discover new things. Oh, I'm all, so what I'm do all you do? about it. You I look love at it. things. I love and it. And there, your whiskey is... <laughs> that gin... Yes. Tokyo gin Negroni. And I'm like, er, he didn't even blink an eye. He didn't even look at it. So I wasn't so. really drinking <laughs> spirits at no. noon at lunch. That's about the professional. <laughs> what did I do? I went That's over. I went to <laughs> yeah to the and I grabbed yeah. a bottle of sake. That's what I was there for. Which speaking hold of on, sake. brings me to the next point. Actually, great introduction. Namasaki. Namasaki. That's <laughs> where we, I was leading you to. The let's go talk about Nama. You were leading me. Yes. In, okay. in an indirect way. <laughs> now, your, your, you have three labels, correct? Yes. Or three under it. And, and are any of them, they're Nama? No, it's not they're seasonal. Not nama. <laughs> you know, uh, nama sake is um, kind of like a once a year, like spring, or um, kind of like uh, towards end of Fruit. the winter, early spring um, seasonal sake. It's unpasteurized, um, really freshly pressed, um, pressed, really young style of sake. It's really... Um, Kind of like a flavor is like um, kind of really young, a little bit greener, but at the same time, it's not being pasteurized. So they have a little bit of acidity, like really refreshing kind of taste to it. Tastes a little bit sweeter. Just a question. I mean, when I tasted it, is it always has that still fermenting taste going on? Like little bubbles or little bubbles or it's usually the masake is being not up, so it's kind of it might be a second fermentation happening within the bottle because it's not yeah. being pasteurized. What what I what I think when I have a nama, which I definitely love, is that you do get more flavor to it mm -hmm. though, right? Because it hasn't been pasteurized. Mm -hmm. When it gets pasteurized. And you bring up the heat, are you, you're probably also the flavor are more subtle, like right. it gets more calm. Okay, yeah, and 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 you're probably yeah you have to at some point be killing off some some fruit uh, amino acids or something within the product itself, right? So generally speaking, you want to consume nama like within the season, like about three yeah. months. I, I appreciate the freshness of a nama. I haven't experienced that yet. I did the big mistake with Jesse to compare it to Beaujolais Nouveau, <laughs> which didn't fly well. No. So here we have Beaujolais Nouveau, which is um, simply uh, a manufactured young wine. But here you have Namasaki, which just apparently continues to age naturally without getting bad? You can keep it like refrigerated condition and maybe wrapped it in like newspaper, like, you know, kind of avoiding the sunlight, then it can go for a while. Well, it depends on how they brew it as well. But yeah. 
even namasake because you know you were saying that oh you know like you don't want to talk about the ace um, namasake because you haven't tasted it yet so i have a great news i did buy some of the namasake that was released for this year i mean the last year released but then i'm kept on like oh no uh, in a refrigerator for and so it's gonna be by the time we have the namasake festival it's gonna be aged for more than a year so you can do that comparison the freshly yeah. pressed this year versus last year both namasake and that's a great segue so to remind our listeners our event on 226 our wine event we're gonna have a yaka there uh she's gonna have her f- sake um at a wine event but we're also going to be promoting, you're going to be, pro, you know, promoting a of spring. Of course I'm going June. to be promoting. And, and it's, and we should let our listeners know that it's a Nama focus. Oh, so definitely. it's a Nama Saki event, which I, I don't, you know, that probably hasn't happened before. Yeah, no, so, we don't so, really have the namasake that's just um, focused on, on namasake. And just so namasake. we can do that sometime, yep. you know, in a later in spring. And on that note. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Thank you. And uh, that was great. To... No, thank you. I mean, um, for me, it's <clears throat> such a pleasure. You know, restaurateurs, brewers, winemakers, incredible. Jesse, what and, are you doing at and, this table? And thanks for uh, introducing me to another, a new, a new, uh, a new sake. This is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's got a great nose to it. So yeah, if you wanted to yeah find out about my restaurant, you can follow us on Instagram uh, at Bishop Ramen, or if you want to find out about San Diego Sake Club and you know all upcoming mm. all this sake related restaurant collaboration or the sake festival you can follow me at sake girl on instagram we forgot the closing i i don't know what you're talking about so i'll let I, you handle I the know closing. you know hey by the way ayaka totally framed it you didn't want to miss out on the good part was that recording oh perfect here we go oh can we go ahead and pour i you don't have to ask for it just pour no we know and now by the way um Ayaka, I so we should have... end, we should end our show every show with Nardini Grappa because it's a digestivo. It's at the end of a meal, you have a digestivo. So why don't we make this the way we close every show? Why why don't you start negotiating with Nardini how much Cheers. they would like Salud. to give us to end the show with Nardini? Mm, mm-hmm. We'll work on that for sure. I'm game. Wow, that's tasting absolutely wonderful these days. <laughs> Grappa's come a long way since and, the first and, time and I had it. And coming back to day drinking, you know, in Italy there's even breakfast drinking. Yeah, well, they... You have an espresso, you have your grappa, you pour it into your espresso, and guess what? Your day feels so good. You know what they call that? Day drinking. No. Breakfast. Café correcto. Oh, I'm so happy you corrected me. <laughs> Cheers. Well, watch. Um, I think that was a really good finish, by the that way. That was a great finish. Um, Especially stay tuned for the next show. Café correcto. <laughs>